Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome to the part two of the podcast, there's yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and as I mentioned... Uh, on the episode you would have just heard if you listened to the last one, which I really hope you do, because that was being part one, otherwise that would be foolish, you would be reading it in the wrong order. Uh, reading? You'd be listening to it in the wrong order. Yeah, because you can read a podcast, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can read it quite diligently, and you would be foolish, unless you like read the descriptions, which are pointless most of the time. No, they're not pointless. Uh, they actually tell you what the episode's about, but I'm here to tell you it in verbal form and try and get my words right. So yes, <laughs> this is... Part 2 of me and Ricky's New Year's special where we talk a little bit about 2016 and sort of the events that happened uh, in a sort of vague sense and we talk about all the random tangents such as David Mitchell and Poker and various other things and when we got cut off, which is why there's a part 2, is Skype decided to be a little bit annoying. So what I decided to do to make it easier, because it wouldn't, it, there's no natural cutoff point, is I'll just make a part two so you can continue hearing me and Ricky uh, continue on talking about talk shows. And we were in the process of talking about James Corden, I seem to remember, which you're about to hear a mini run from me. I don't find the person talented whatsoever, but that's just my opinion, and that's hence what this podcast is all about. So yeah, um, as I mentioned in that podcast, so just to, for the benefit of those listening maybe for who aren't listening to the last one um, is my plan is to take a bit of time off because uh, one of the things that I've been doing diligently is obviously podcasting for the last year or so and um, I've kind of not really had any time off so I think that's kind of uh, what, what I'm thinking is a good idea. Um, I'm going to do a couple of a solo uh, podcasts bef- at some point to kind of explain more about my reasons for taking some time off. Um, also, we're going to be doing another episode with Ricky in February, as well as I have a scheduled podcast with Alex from Battle Bards coming up soon, so I think I will be doing that in February. And then my plan is to take uh, most of February off, pretty much. So, um, if you don't see any podcasts for a while, that'll be why, but obviously I will release a solo podcast kind of just explaining that and why and kind of going to that detail so that's basically what's going on uh yeah i just feel very very stressed and very tired for whatever reason and it's just getting very very difficult to do things so um i think like i'm just mentally tired yeah that's really i think the best way of describing it so that's my plan so um that pretty much covers it so um a huge thank you to ricky obviously for co-hosting he's at vivid ricky on twitter on the tweets and i am at geek underscore apocalypse if you're so inclined uh to to listen to um listen or read our rants on the tweets even though i haven't been tweeting a lot recently for that very reason that i've just been very exhausted but um obviously do please do follow us if you listen on itunes please do consider subscribing and obviously listen to the bunch of episodes we've done 140 now so that's pretty Pretty impressive. Uh, huge thank you to listening and all the people who do. And uh, this is part two of our New Year special with Ricky. Enjoy, fellow geeks. I'll click record and then we'll just, you know, we'll just keep going. And 
It seems it might it seems it might have fixed itself now. You seem a lot clearer. Mm. Yeah, I think it has. But um Anyway, what the hell were we talking about before? I I just stop, I decided to stop the recording because I was like I just didn't well, want you were you were saying as on the on the, the whole Jeremy Kyle thing. Yeah. I'll quick well I'll quickly finish the point I was making prior and then we can go on to what, what we were saying before. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So because there was a person on there who um she had she had developed anorexia, like a severe form of bulimia, in the sense where um, she was actually abused by by obviously her abuser. But then her abuser went further to taunt her to suggest that you know, and by the way, you're fat as well. So not only was was she abused um, physically, but also mentally in the fact that yeah, what he was saying to her had an effect where she sort of stopped eating. And because I made the point on the on the on the the uh, the other the other extreme example opposite to that, where I remember a, a, a radio show where they were discussing, um, you know, weight issues, which is always in the news, and mm-hmm. you know, characterising them as being, you know, but I mean, so was there. I mean, just recently, it was like, you know, should should overweight people, um, you know, have lighter luggage and stuff like that? So it's always there. Yeah. So, yeah, on, on this radio show, um, a, another woman who was was overweight was saying the reason why was because um, her abuser um, was 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 so obviously not just abusing her, but for her to think the only way was this to stop was to make herself as physically unattractive as possible. So she got into this cycle, vicious cycle of thinking that. If I'm overweight, or if I'm not seen as seen as attractive, it would it would it would keep other potential abusers at bay. Yes. Well, this is another example of that, and it goes back to what what we were discussing on, on a previous podcast as to why people because because a mutual friend of ours was 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 unfairly um, targeted by a shopkeeper. I remember you saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so just going on on from that, but then, but then we were going on about you know why because Jeremy Kyle obviously did shows in America and oh yeah that was the, yeah that was word. that worked out Brits and talk shows, but then I oh mentioned... yeah that was it and you asked ah that's right yeah so that, that now you understand because it was James then, Corden you were talk, asking me about that's right it's not his format he's transported has it it's no just... um and I think I don't know whether or not we've talked about this before but um but um I I it's it's very. Um, well, first of all, I mean, he didn't. Well, to, to be clear, he didn't replace this person, but it, but he took the slot and the Late Late Show off Craig Ferguson, who um, I think is one of the best talk show hosts ever. Um, and not he's not for everybody, and I, that's ultimately why I didn't get David Letterman's job, in my opinion. Even though I don't know whether or not he wanted it or not, because he's very niche. It's a very was he, he a, content, was he contender for that at all? Uh, he got paid off. Um, okay. Basically, um, I'll give you the short version. And Americans, uh, if they know Nate like talk shows, will probably know the story anyway. But uh, David Letterman, when he was at NBC, moved to CBS in the nineties um, because he wanted the Tonight Show off Johnny Carson, uh, but Jay Leno got it. Oh. So David Letterman went, "Well, screw you's. Uh, I'm going to go make my own." show 
and do well. And then that's why he made Late Light with David Letterman, which moved to CBS, and it's been there ever since, until he retired. So when he moved over, because he was he had a late show, late late show, um, when he first started on TV, he said to them, "Not only do I want to take my show and be earlier, so to compete with the Tonight Show in terms of the time slot, but I also want access to the hour slot after my own show. Like I want to have that time slot to do what I choose with it." So he basically decided to create a late late show like his old show and give somebody an opportunity to do something with that time slot and give them free reign. Um, I don't know whether or not he had that pre-Craig Ferguson because I think it might have been with Craig Kilborn. So basically Letterman had his own production company called Worldwide Pants uh, which shows you that it's classic David Letterman to have a weird name for a production company. Um, And so they produced that time slot with his company and so he had complete reign over what he did with that hour and who he hired and uh, basically just CBS put it on the air so he, after Craig Kilborn left that slot because he basically thought he'd be like the next best thing didn't really work out and they did a whole bunch of auditions and Craig Ferguson got it and so when Craig Ferguson signed that contract because he was part of Worldwide Pants and he was on after David Letterman, literally the next program and he worked for him and David Letterman had control of that whole time slot um, yeah. it was it was assumed he would be the heir apparent to take over if David Letterman decided to leave and at one point about five years in Craig Ferguson said I'll be there as long as Dave is and yeah. it didn't actually was the reason he left because he just said he got tired of, the, tired of doing it for 10 years but um, he left he left actually before David Letterman did technically um, uh, but basically, supposedly in his contract, and he did finally admit it in an interview because it was, it was, it was rumored for years that in his contract it had a clause of if he got passed up, as in if CBS decided they didn't want him to replace Letterman, they had to pay him uh, compensation for not taking their option. Um, and this, this, this has been debated in media of how much he got between something like 5 million and some people have quoted as much as 20 million. Basically just similar to like when they tried to get rid of Conan, that they paid off Conan O'Brien in The Tonight Show when they suddenly realised uh, NBC were like, we don't want him anymore because he's doing rubbish and we want to bring Jay back. And so they had to give him like $100 million or something because they basically had to buy out his contract mm-hmm. um, and pay him compensation for basically saying that we don't want you to be there anymore because he basically went, well, I'll sign a contract. Screw you, I'm not leaving. So they yeah. paid him to go away. Um, so so anyway, yes, so suppose he got some sort of compensation, but he hasn't ever revealed the amount. But, um, but anyway, so the reason I'm bringing this all up in terms of what we were talking about, I think Craig Ferguson is an absolute genius, and I miss him to this day. Um, so, that, but that's irrelevant to James Corden because who you know that's not his problem. But he's a very safe try and. I, I find him very fake, mm-hmm. um, and I don't find uh, uh, as controversial as this is. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I believe you should be honest in these things. I don't think he's talent, talented at all. <laughs> um, I, I I find him very fake and very like he's a classic person who wants to be sort of well. It, it's almost like he wants to be well known and he wants to be famous and all this kind of thing. 
and he's willing to sort of sacrifice his like integrity to do that. Um, and he's every time I ever see him do anything or interview people, he comes across as not genuine, as in like he's being fed lines. Yeah, and exactly. It's completely, it's completely not the same as like if you ever see a Craig Ferguson interview, and I've, I'm sure I've, I've gave, I've, I know I've shown you an example. Um, he's so like. You know, like the conversation me and you are having now, it's like free flowing, and like where we we have a trust in each other that whatever we bring up is going to be treated respectfully, mm-hmm. and it and we don't necessarily know where the conversation is going, and that's the best conversation anyone can have, mm-hmm. um, and that's completely different to like if I was sitting here now going, so Ricky, um, I hear you were not happy about this. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, like it, it, it's so pressured and fa- fake, and it's because the format is done in such a way. And and the thing is, as well, I don't know if you've ever seen this on American talk shows, but they steal, like they constantly steal off each other. So he car he, the when carpooling, where you basically like give people a ride and you karaoke do karaoke and interview people in cars. Like that's that had like a resurgence, so like everybody in late night talk shows are doing it because it's popular mm-hmm. now, and um, there's like, there's just no originality anymore. Like they all like find out what works, and and then when Jimmy Kimmel or whatever it was started to bring back like like the Back to the Future thing when the ta- the date on the on the machine was last year, and so they he got uh, Marty McFly and uh, Christopher and uh, Christopher Lloyd um, and they got the characters to come back um, and do like a, a an homage to it and and so all that talk shows so started to do the same Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon Jimmy, I always get them confused to me so do I um, I think it might Fallon, be Jimmy Fallon Fallon is like the king of retro isn't he like brings all things I back. like that he does I, I I have no real problem that he does that I'm um, Jimmy Fallon uh, I uh, sorry not Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Kimmel I think now which one is I don't know I, I always get the two confused um, is it Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon the one that fakes laugh in every fucking interview it's so <laughs> frustrating like every time a person talks he goes <laughs> Well, that, like, that's what James Corden's like as well. Oh, I know it's so yeah. frustrating. It's like you know, I, I, it's so fucking fake. You can see because you can tell he has these puppy eyes when he interviews people. He has these puppy eyes, and you, you can tell he's waiting for him to finish the sentence so you can go. <laughs> yeah. Like it's because it's a, it's a, th- it's it's because he thinks he thinks that's entertaining. Like yeah. that that uh, that's that's what people are expecting, and it's yeah. like you uh, you know. Gone are the days where, God forbid, you have an interview where you ask an interesting question. There's a certain arrogance there as well, and and I'll give you a good example of that arrogance. Where, because he does that show here, League of Their Own, which is to me is a poor version of they think it's all over. Yeah, very true. And and the regulars are there. Was it Jamie Redknapp? um, Yeah, and uh, and, Andrew Flintoff. Flintoff, and who was the third one? Uh, Jamie Redknapp. Did you say Jamie Redknapp? Oh yeah, Jack Whitehall. Yeah, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he he takes them three and and puts them on their talk show in, in his talk show in America, <laughs> well, as if as, as if he expects their their audience to say yeah. So these are my mates back home, and you're going to treat them as you well, do lebs here. And you can sort of make the argument as well. Like I mean, relatively speaking, uh, it's no disrespect to James Gordon, but like it shows how much money is in American TV. Yeah. Um, 
the, the that time slot in that period in the, in in America doesn't have a lot of the, the, the uh, it's not a huge viewership. Like this is one of the things that like I find fascinating is the people get so crazy. This is what Craig Fer- it's one of the reasons I admire Craig Ferguson. So whenever they were talking about the late night wars and stuff like that, he says, um, in particular for the late late shows that are on at like people forget this, these shows are on at like half twelve at night. Uh, or well, technically half twelve in the morning. I've still, I still haven't seen an episode of uh, Colbert's show. Uh, I, I, some... I haven't either, but I've seen clips. Um, no, I do either. like the guy, by the way. I like him a lot. Do you not? Do you? Okay, well, let's debate this. Like, I mean, that, uh, that's a relatively recent thing. I know we said we were going to talk about 2016, but um, is I mean, obviously, uh, uh let, didn't let him retire only last year, so that's kind of last year as well, technically. Yeah. Um. I mean, a very important thing because uh, he's a, been a, you know, around forever. But um, I mean, uh, so this is an interesting question I want to ask you because obviously knowing Colbert from the Daily Show, um, do you feel slightly uh, disappointed that he gave all that up to do that show? Like, because that's what I I I find myself give thinking up, that give up, give up satire. Yeah, I mean, I know he still kind of does it. I mean, I've seen the odd clip where. He does like a monologue, and I've seen him where he does bits where he gets John Stewart to come back, and they talk about what's going on with Trump or something. Um, there was a really funny one I saw on YouTube, which is on a, a show where he says like, "I don't know what to do with the situation. I feel lost. I know I'll be right back." And he runs off screen, and then he goes through a random forest in the middle of nowhere, and he knocks on this like cabin door, and John Stewart answers it, and he's dressing down, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like. Hello, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't. And he's like really confused, and he's he's almost like he's a basically like he's a nomad, and he's like, I'm really sorry. I don't. Uh, I don't know what you want, but you know, uh, um, you know, he's like, uh, no, John. I need. It's me. It's me. It's your. It's your. It's your. I can't remember what he calls himself. And he's like, it's your lover boy. It's become a luddite in the middle. Yeah, of and he yeah, and he goes, but it's the it's the it's the um it's the. Democratic, is it Democrats or Republicans? I never, I always get them confused. But the, he's like, it's the Congress meeting. You have no idea who they've nominated. And he goes, and he mentioned, and I love it because he mentions clearly a candidate who he thinks is clearly worthwhile. John Stewart and goes, oh, I'm sure he'll be great. It'll be, be a great nomination. And then, yeah. and then Stephen Colbert goes, No, wait, it's not what it is. And so he's holding like a cup and he goes, Okay, well before you tell me this, uh, can I just take a sip of water? And he goes, really? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just feeling a little bit like, you know, dry throat, so I'll take a, I'll take a cup of thing. And as he's taking the cup of water, he goes, it's Donald Trump. And then he pulls what he, uh, like, he, uh, spits water all over Colbert and goes, what? What? What's going on? Like, uh, and then he just starts going on this rant. Cause then he goes on about the rant that I always bring up as they go, all this campaign of Trump saying he's going to be the best job creator and whatever it is. And then John Stewart makes a rant of going, this, isn't this a guy who uh, declared bankruptcy four times? Mm-hmm. And then they mention each year that he declared bankruptcy in, like, uh, not that long ago, the last one. He was bankrupt in, like, something like 2007 or something. It was not that long ago. I mean, considering this is a guy who's had fucking shit tons of businesses, this is quite mm-hmm. alarming. Um, and, I mean... Uh, well, th- I'm always disappointed when anyone quits their art to try and do something else more mainstream and means that they're sucking up to celebs and kind of like doing things. I mean, I don't think... Um, but I, I don't think Colbert's a type... Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, I mean, we're comparing... If we compare him to, like, James Corden, 
like from the the clips that I've seen, and I, I have to admit I've not seen a huge amount like we were talking about. But um, he hasn't. Nece- I know what you mean about selling out, but I don't necessarily think that he has. And the the clips that I see, he he, see, he seems very much still himself. Yeah. Um. um he seems a more mellow. Yeah. Intact in, in with his character that he, he couldn't change when it's he's not more the type of change. To, well, to, yeah, and also yeah. people seem to not realize that the it was an over embellished version of him. And it was like a character on the Daily Show of this yeah. obnoxious guy. Yet, whenever I see his show now, it's he's very much himself. Like you can tell, it's just him, and I quite like that because I think he's a very, very, you know, clever person, and you know, I, I has a very, you know, clear, a clear integrity, and I, I really am, um, mm. I really admire him, and I like him a lot, and I think he's really talented. And but talking and, of Brits doing well over yeah. there. John Oliver seems to be going from strength to strength. Oh, I know. I think, he, uh, yeah, he's really yeah. good. Um, yeah. I'm shocked at how much of a following he has. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for for a good reason. But going I, back to the question, you see, I feel the same. I've told you this before, how I feel about Graham Norton in the sense that, you know, he was, if you watch all clips of him, a very funny guy when he did stand-up. And yeah. He being a big gave that up, essentially. But. but I was a big Father Ted fan as well, and he was yeah. great there, and... And then suddenly to see him give that all up just to sort of, I mean, you know, sit amongst a few celebs who's just basically but just. But you said, see, the thing is, I mean, if someone said to me, um, if someone said to me, I mean, what my ideal, I, I mean, and that maybe people listening to this think there's an air of jealousy, and I completely am willing to admit that is there's that it's in it's not the whole reason, but it's definitely part of it is that, um. I honestly mean this when I say it is kind of like if I had any, like if someone said to me what job would I like to do, it would be that. But the di- but the difference is I would do like a, an old. I, I want to say old, unfortunately, I know you'll understand this. I'm going to say old school Howard Stern, and that I would yeah. do it like a Howard Stern show, and that I would basically want to have a position where I can ask whatever I want, mm-hmm. um, because I don't like the the talk uh, talk shows. What we're to, basically in a nutshell, what we're talking about now are what talk shows are now, as in the desired form over the revolutionary form it used to be. You know, when talk shows used to exist, it was because they were asking questions and uh, questions that were like, you know, important or relevant or needed to be said, and you know, almost like sort of investigative journalism. Whereas now it's very much a kind of like, so you've got a film out, tell us about it. Um, I'm glad you said investigative journalism because another one who I did admire was the one Lorraine Kelly because she had a. Yeah, I remember you saying that. She yeah. was a great journal from the the eighties and nineties, and she had her own. Yeah, I had show. no idea when I remember you telling me this. I had no idea she had a. I always just assumed she was just a shit presenter. <laughs> and then she she just gives that all no up just in the morning. She she talks about the most guffest, most uh, the most vacuous things ever. And I just oh, I know. Think, I mean, uh, oh, I, I, I I mean, I guess this is like a lot of countries is you just ignore, you try and avoid morning t- morning TV. <laughs> oh, you noticed she got in she got in trouble a few days ago because um, she was interviewing a. a a comedian, uh, a disabled comedian who was in a wheelchair, and guess what she said? And it's probably quite, quite uh, you know, symbolic of a recent clumsiness to not just, you know, think things through. And she said, oh, you must have funny bones then. 
that's what she said, she said to her because her, her 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 disability involves her having kind of you know <laughs> where things internally. I, of course, she didn't mean it. I, I, I'm sorry. This is a really awful thing to say, but it's just I obviously I, I mean this as a complete joke, um, because it's in this is in reference to. I thought you were going to say she said something like entirely ironically awful because I remember once and I wish I remember what the interview was but it was a famous clip I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere but there's a clip of somebody interviewing someone in a wheelchair and um, <laughs> they're talking about like the abuse that they got I'm not laughing because of the abuse but I'm laughing because of what I'm about to say is is um, that he's talking about the person in the wheelchair and they they unfortunately say the line of did you ever think about standing up for yourself? Oh no! <laughs> and then suddenly, like people realise, like the 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 poor yeah. But the thing is, right? I mean, people might think, oh well, of course they didn't mean it. Yeah, so it's uh, you were being harsh, but but the point is, if you were of that, if you retained the sharpness of the being the investigative journal that you were that you once were, where you carefully planned questions out and of course you you inject a bit yeah. of spontaneity in it as well oh, you're saying yeah you, but you, you wouldn't let those things slip and then yeah i just think by because she's relegated herself to doing that kind of thing she's more prone to that do you see um, what i mean I, I i think to to paraphrase what you're saying i think you make a very good point you're essentially talking about it, integrity yeah that's essentially what that what that is it's, it's the integrity of your profession to go um, it's taken the safe road of going because it's less pressure in it. It's less pressure, and yeah. um, it, it's, it's it's all nicey nice. It's it's top of the morning, and it's and you know well, we've you got, see, I we've have got, no we've got a blouse collection. You know, we're coming up. We're, someone's going to show off our autumn collection. I have, so I, I, have I have zero patience. <laughs> that see that that's that for that kind of thing though. Like yeah, I know yeah. you understand this about me in terms of because uh, obviously we're friends. Is that. I I get so disinterested in the obvious question. Like I, I I like I mean sometimes you need to ask the obvious question because if it's a question, but it, what I mean is an obvious question is in it hasn't been asked yet. Like mm-hmm. or in relation to like if it's something you're talking about and you go you know someone says you know it's a bit like like to give an example and it's, this is a poor example but it's just what my brain's giving me the option of going. It's like if somebody somebody suddenly turned around and said. Um, oh yeah, I once killed the person. The obvious question is what happened. <laughs> you know, like that's an example of where like the obvious question needs to be said because yeah. you know you just don't can't skate yeah. over what someone's just said. But my point is, like the very like what we're talking about, like the Lorraine. The, in the, I think Lorraine Kelly is a good example of this, like more and or morning TV shows and stuff like that in general. Like, whenever you say, like, you know, breakfast news in the morning or stuff like that, when they go, so, uh, you know, like, Darren Brown's on or something, and they go, so, um, when did you start being interested in being a magician? And Or when you have, like, data from Star Trek going, so, what's it like being data in Star Trek? And he's like, like, haven't you spent remotely five minutes researching that to see the 20,000 interviews I've done, which has explained the exact thing? So that's why, like, you know, I know I've said this before, but when I first started being interested in podcasting and wanting to do my own show was um, when I saw William Shatner on Hard Talk and he just kept constantly being asked about the same shit that he's been done over and over again because it was, to my point, it was a it was a presenter who had clearly been given notes from somebody else who hadn't done any research and was not a fan of anything he'd done. 
Mm. It, that was that. That's what I got out of the interview. Now, if imagine sitting there as an interviewer and going, right, what are my goals in this interview? And a person watching it goes, uh, you would think, oh, I want a good interview. I want it to be interesting and intriguing and, and ask questions that maybe other people haven't thought of. And no, I went away going, he's a shit interviewer. He has no research. He's unprofessional. And he's clearly going for the controversial angle because this is the problem if you have a program like hard called hard talk or you know con- you know you might as well call it controversial bullshit or something or it's, I, just, I listened to a great interview this morning i was on five live and um, danny baker was interviewing john parrot and rather oh, right, as in the snooker player yeah also well obviously it was topical because of the masters which yeah. is currently on um, I like Danny Baker a lot. I think he's good. Yeah, he's cool. I've talked to him as well um, on Five Live, and 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 John, he was rather than asking John. I mean, he did obviously there were going to be the odd question about how we it all started, but it was also kind of got into interesting ways of like what it means to be an Everton fan and what what what's it mean to be Liverpool and and you know the difference between Liverpool and Everton and and even things like. Um, how can you tell what, like when when you know you've got the right cue? It's like this great question was if 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 six or seven snooker cues were cut from the same tree, they're never going to be the same. So how do you go about telling which is yours? And they, they, they delved into like interesting areas like that, and and how over the years the, the blaze on on the on this table is gradually. I can imagine different. people will be bored about that with snooker, but I, I, as someone who um, oh, I no, I know, but I'm saying like if someone's not into snooker, I imagine that's probably quite a dull subject. But uh, but yeah, I'm curious. Didn't, about didn't that. Dave Lee Travis? I mean, someone he he recently got uh, you know found out for rather unpleasant stuff. But um, he famously tried to do snooker on the radio. Do you remember that? Snooker on the radio. Yeah, he, uh, tried, that, he tried to a, he tried to sort of commentate snooker on the radio or something like that, and you just kind of like it was one of the memorable radio failures or something. By the way, I can hear that click of the pen so do you mind not doing that no. <laughs> I just I can hear it on the microphone um uh but anyway yeah so no that's that, that's that's uh certainly interesting but yeah I I just think in a nutshell in terms of what we're talking about because I know we've talked about talk shows before they are not what they used to be I mean like I just gave the example of like if you ever like re-watch any clips of Johnny Carson of how much he was just like he essentially didn't give a shit he was the rebel without a cause type persona and uh, you see it now where it's all this formulaic bullshit it's just it's just not entertaining f- to me anymore i don't list, i don't watch any of them the only one i can sort of tolerate and it depends who's on like the guests is conan o'brien like i quite mm. like him um because he does the occasional clips that are like at least have i saw some old clips recently of gilbert godfrey uh, when he was on conan show i like i like gilbert, gilbert godfrey yeah he just basically takes over and Conan's like sitting there with his head. Yeah. Oh, his voice is so like bizarre. Did you ever see like there's a famous clip of, you know, it's it's a it's a good pastime if you ever like want to just like, you know, get out of a bad mood or whatever. Is them like watching game show like famous game show clips, and there's a real famous one on Hollywood Squares, um, with Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, do you ever have you seen this clip? No. I heard about it. It's a very, very famous clip in Hollywood Squares, where there's a they're trying. You know, do you know Hollywood Squares? The the mm-hmm. premise. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically, like for, for those that don't know, maybe listen to this in England and have no idea. Is uh, it Hollywood Squares or Celebrity Squares? Or the same thing. Yeah, celebrity. Yeah, same thing. I think Hollywood 
yeah, actually, no, it would have been the same thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, because uh, basically it was noughts and crosses, but yeah. every um, every uh, box of a noughts and cross, so three by three box, had a celebrity on in a desk. And so you would go to the celebrity and you would ask a question and it they would ask a question. Um, um, so I think ask... Bob, Bob Monkhouse did our UK yes. version and then Warwick Davies recently... Um... Oh, they, did they bring it back, did they? Warwick Davies last year did it, yeah. Oh, I had but no idea. But anyway, I'm not so... sure if it was popular enough to continue. Oh, well, so people might know. See, this is how out of the loop I am. <clears> so, <throat> um, so anyway, yeah, so the idea is you ask a question, the celebrity gives an answer. Um, and either you have to agree with what the celebrity says then if you think they're telling the truth and they're right, or you say that you don't agree and if you what if you're right in terms of whether if you're right whether you think they're lying or wrong or whatever, you get that square based on like whether you're a cross or a, a circle and you try and win notes and crosses essentially, but with celebrities. And there's a famous clip in the Gilbert Godfrey where there's a guy trying that they're trying like they've they've done all eight of the squares and he's the only one left and they're basically fighting to get the answer they need to get basically get his box to win the game whoever wins like because it's like a tiebreak situation and there's about eight or nine questions in a row where he manages to dupe them all and every time they get it wrong he keeps just screaming at them you fool you're a fool you're a total fool like, <laughs> and like everybody everybody joins in there's like um every time people get it wrong like the audience starts shouting you fool like because the like so he goes what is stone cold uh, what is steve uh steve austin's um nick the wrestler steve austin's nickname in the wwf and so gil godfrey goes oh i know this i'm a huge wrestling fan it's the crusher and the guy goes, I'll agree. And he goes, you fool! You fool! And, like, so it's famous because about, like, the presenter at one point is crying. We're left, I go, and, like, we're never going to finish this goddamn game because it's still round one. And they've only done one question and just none of them get it right because Gilbert, like, dupes them for about 12 questions in a row just because uh, they believe everything he says. So they keep agreeing with him and he's like, uh... so anyway, so, yeah, he plays the game, like, expertly, brilliantly well. And so, yeah, it's it's a very famous clip on it it's just funny so he just reminded me of that when he's still Gilbert Godfrey um but yeah I guess just to wrap up the the first bit we're doing is to just um because yeah I know we we crowbarred in a couple of things from 2016 but would you say the the, the two things I want to bring up and I'll ask what you think is I think the two most important things in t- that I would like to bring up is obviously because this is going to be ongoing is Donald Trump actually obviously being president is has lasting ramifications and i think that's out of all the i mean obviously there was some horrible stuff like with all the you know the suicide bombings and the truck truck situation and the paris stuff and the brussels and um all that kind of thing and and wars and everything else and um in in a more positive light i just want to mention this because i know we're sports fans i just wanted to make sure i mentioned this 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 part we're doing is Leicester winning the Premier League title is the greatest sport and achievement, uh, at least for a long time, and will, I don't think will ever be. You know, it's sort of like someone. Uh, it's like a, a random team winning the FA Cup or something. Like, uh, or I don't know. I don't really know what the comparison is. 
but uh, it's just so well, like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, it really is. Like uh, I know that I think they're aren't they built making a, like a feature film about it. I, I'm pretty certain they're doing yeah, something. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. I think they're even doing something about Jamie Vardy because of the idea because uh, of him going from non-league to well, um, the manager. Um, Carter Ranieri. In Italy, he's, he's getting some sort of... Um, now, isn't he getting knighthooded? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty certain he is, yeah. Which, because, um, I mean, uh, it was quite sweet, his so, reaction. You know, all, because... the, all the big... He's managed all the teams, like Inter Milan, I think Juventus for a spell, and was he at Roma, I think, as well? And well, I was just about to say, um, his reaction... Yeah, because I was just about to say his reaction was, was really quite... Um, it was quite yeah. It was really sweet because he basically, like to your point, he managed Valencia, Inter, Roma, uh, Chelsea, obviously famously, and I don't know, and a bunch, a couple of others maybe. Um, and he, so he, you know, for uh, and he's never won a trophy or a Premier League title. He obviously was famously close with Chelsea a couple of times. Um, so you know, always been a good manager, but never got over the hump. What and just then, what, what what kind of what I saw from the Leicester story was um, the most incredible team spirit I, I think yeah. I've ever seen. Um, yeah, you wouldn't say any of the players were world class necessarily. Yeah. Although I, I I think Riyad Mahrez is the closest they have. Yeah. For that. I think he's the most gifted player. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, and, actually, and, no. Well, I may, well, maybe you can make the argument of. Candy uh, is now because Candy is made. Oh yeah, and that's why that that's the Leicester thing about this season is that they've never really kind of replaced him because I think he was a terrific player. And, mm-hmm. No, um, he's phenomenal. Um, and and I, I, I just always careful not to, to talk about sport too long on this show, but yeah, um, too much of what Chelsea achieving so far. Yeah. You can t- what a grip. No, no, I totally yeah, agree. Just, just team spirit. Um, no, was, yeah, I I think. I think to to have like a positive generalistic view of why I think it's in, in terms of 2016, it's a great, it's a very positive example. I mean, because of all the negative stuff that happened in 2016. Um, to your point, like you, I completely agree with you that it's a great example of what you can achieve if everyone's all on the same page, regardless of ability. Is that if you ha if you if you all have each other's back, then um, it's the idea of the you can just do something and and if you've all you know believe in each other and 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 have the teamwork and ha- again like i say have each other's back mm-hmm. you can achieve some really truly wonderful things outside of just if you you know it's a really good avenue for like talent can only get you so far it's like you know it's the 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 desire to help each other out and be there for each other and support each other and so you can take that example this is one of the wonderful things about sport and i think it's very often underappreciated for people who aren't sports fans it's a great example of what you can apply in regular life in that if you did if you were a team and you were there for each other and like if you ever hear people who win titles it's that they don't think about winning the title they think about the team they were involved with and I guess as yeah. well with um, when they were all celebrating whilst watching was it the was it the Chelsea game? Yeah, was, they were at Jamie Vardy's house. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. I mean, that was symbolic of yeah. the, the. It's brother. nice that they did that because yeah, I I don't know whether you thought this, but you know you don't see like I remember. <laughs> do you remember one year? I remember watching this in their Premiership years. Uh, there was one year where Man United, Man United, that make me laugh. Man United won it one year, right? And it was uh, 
because Arsenal lost. And Alex Ferguson, they interviewed him. He was on the fucking golf course. <laughs> and, like, so imagine that as a comparative thing. Wow. So Alex Ferguson, Man United manager, goes, oh, yeah. we won the Premier League title. Oh, that's nice. While he's on the fucking golf course. Or, like, he's in a golf fucking uh, golf club. Like, just after playing a round of golf in Scotland. And he's like, oh, that's very nice. Like, you know, that, yeah, congratulations that we won. Compared to Leicester City, who their entire squad, like, Jimmy Vardy invited the entire... I just want to crowbar this in, but when you said that, it reminded me of um, that clip of George Bush when he's on the golf course and he's talking about terrorism. Oh, God. And the golf buggy with his dad. Then he goes, "Now, now check out this golf swing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, God, he was such a not so, yeah, such an idiot. It's like um, just to just to um to, to quick segue back to like when we talked about nine eleven. When I rewatched uh, I rewatched a documentary about that um not too long ago, and just when he he talks about what he you know the the famous thing when he was in the school and it took him like fifteen minutes to do anything because he was like I, and he his 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 argument was he said he wanted to project an air of calm. Um, uh, where I'm like, you would think if you you realise that you it projected that nobody is home. That's what it said to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It uh, yeah, it projected exactly that. The, yeah, you, that you, you that was the same avenue I was going down. The it, it it come across to me of a person. He looked like a deer in the headlights. He was like. I don't know what to do, and it was like, and he, he well, he did admit in a later interview that's what he was thinking. That he was trying to think of what the best way of approaching this was. But to me, my a man of action in that situation, once he got told by the person who told him, he should have just got out of his chair and said, "There's a situation developed. I need to leave," and then went and did what he needed to, um, do when I'd done whatever it takes, like that, that you know, because. If you compare the time that he sat there com- to what happened in the ensuing moments, you know, it was not long after that the Pentagon got attacked and stuff, you're just, like, thinking, like, you know, that... Del- I mean, I don't know what he could have done in the 15 minutes, you can make that argument, but, you know, ima- you know, imagine... You know, just the... My point is the act of actually trying from the moment you find out might have made some sort of difference, you never know, but... um I don't know, but it, yeah, it was, I did find, I, do you find this, uh, it's a, again, it's a very annoying fact as well, that he got, his approval waiting went through the roof after that, like mm. people really, really like. You said, said that all the jingoistic messages yeah. that people wanted to hear when you've been attacked is that we'll get the attack and. The greatest know. like, for, for in a political sense, the greatest like sort of reward fell on his lap in terms of like, and he's never going to be. Um, you know, criticised. Um, I remember, like, even like people think he's bad. I mean, just watch the next four no, years. I know. Yeah. I got really, di- I got really sort of. Um, and I mean, just imagine being an American. Like Jesus Christ. Uh, is it true? Like my friends were telling me yesterday, and you, I'm sure you'll know more about this. Is it true that like the there um there's been like riots and they're using st- st- my friend said to me they were using like stun grenades yesterday, like uh, the, to repel the crowds and stuff like what's I think going there was on? that yeah I mean yeah I mean I saw a few anarchists sort of break out and um, terrible because threatening martial law basically yeah well the thing is the, the, the new alt-right which is basically you know a cover name for a new kind of generation of neo neo-nazis who were there to sort of celebrate and then there was a clash going on there as well 
But you know, we've had we've had anti-Trump protests going on all over the world. There was one here in Newcastle. I think the biggest ones here were like London, Manchester, and today there was a women's marches going around the world. So the resistance is there, but it's going to be a hell of a, a roller coaster. I mean, I, I agree with with what one tweet I remember saying when he got elected was what when he when he mocked that disabled um, reporter. Uh, Meryl Streep famously said there on, on, was it the Golden Globes? Did you see that? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I agreed with that point, but then when she started saying that, um, criticising it by saying, um, criticising mixed martial arts, I thought it was a little, uh, yeah, a little, not, yeah. dis- a little ridiculous. Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, that's in, cause I'm an, uh, cause I do watch the odd, uh, mixed martial art fight, as I'm actually watching one later tonight. Yeah, is, um, I think I think most of, if not all, sports are are, are an art themselves. Yeah, that's so, uh, well. What I find, I ended it like that. yeah, no, I that's exact. That that's a good point. Like my my argument against that was, I don't think she understands the complete irony about what she said in that she was making an opinion about art in an mm-hmm. in a industry that is a subjective field. Like, as in, it's based on an objective viewpoint. That's the beauty of art. I mean, yeah. that you can inter- anything can be interpreted art. I mean, if it's entertaining. Um, yeah, so that's why I, I, I get I, very... I don't, I, don't watch, I don't watch MMA, but I, I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and, and I mean, I like I d- this is what... I, it's because it's fighting, it's because it's fighting, even which which everyone's entitled to whatever their view is. But um, I, I guess, I'm a believer in that if some... What, in, People should be allowed to do what they want to do within, and and if they are, and if people are going to fight, why shouldn't it be in a controlled environment? If they are going to do that, let them do it in that controlled environment. Um, whether people believe in that or not, it, it's up to them. And and yeah, and I think a lot of people who even watch these things kind of like have a a a, a, a sort of half a, a an idea about the 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 dangers of what they of what they're watching but it's but if you, the difference in MMA compared to like boxing is that they do everything they can to make it a, literally just a combat sport and the 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 lasting damages are a lot less than other extreme sports i mean you know you never hear people say about, I mean, even though she did in that actual quote, she mentioned American football as well, which I'm glad. I'm glad in the sense of if you are going to criticise it for being dangerous, like, American football used to get a pass, even though I don't know if you know this, but American football has the most injuries of any any sport by a mile, in terms of, like, you know, lasting neck damage and... I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense because, you know, they're literally... Imagine having, like, a 300-plus pound person running at you full pelt, like, 80 miles. Or, like, the fridge. Do you remember the fridge? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um. So, anyway, so... Um, I mean, Eric Cantona famously called football an art. I remember when he was interviewed and, and I remember thinking... I've never thought of football as an art, but I think he's got a point, and I've I've always viewed it through that prism ever since. And and boxing, of course, has always been classed as a noble art. So, well, um, um but my point about um, I mean, I find MMA like one of the purest art forms because you by by its definition about a mix. I mean, it has I know it has art in the name. I mean, you can make a very that simplistic point, but 
to to reiterate as someone who's seen enough fights to 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 know this even as a layman looking at it um you have to be well versed in so many different avenues of fighting to be remotely good um uh, you know so and a lot of these people have like black belts which takes 10 years to get minimum um so that you know it's not like they've not so to me how can you not if you're going to have any form of art form in life not only should it be an ability or like something you learn but if you've actually dedicated a large portion of your life to do it isn't that the most noble of arts like doesn't that define what art is by definition and i just find it very ironic that it's it's a very it's a very stub like um what's the word like a you know upper lip um she's being like very like you know up herself an uppity person and that very much are kind of like this is what i think is worthwhile and i'm going to say it on one of the biggest stages because i you know, like i i almost want to go like you know who are you to say what people can and can't watch like i, I there's some things i dislike profusely and american football is one of them and baseball i don't get and all this kind of thing but i this idea of that i would stop people watching it or stop people thinking it's a respectful thing like you were saying about mma like you know it's this idea that you can't respect something you don't like like uh, you you definitely can you you can respect it i have my issues with golf Oh yeah, I agree. No, that on should that. be classed as a sport. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'll actually go as far as I don't even think it should be regarded as a pastime. <laughs> That's <laughs> how little I have time said, for it. But Wilder said it's a good walk spoiled. Yes, I love that. I love that joke. Yeah. And uh, there was another. Um, I think it was Oscar Wilde who <laughs> made this. Uh, it's just it was on Howard Stern and Artie Lang made this comment. I wish I remember the name, but basically the context was there was this like sort of um, he lived in like this like really rough neighborhood of like New York or something, and he was trying to basically get this uh, um, this this uh, he was trying to get like some sort of like this gangster. Where's he, where's he from? Is he from like Harlem or the Bronx or something? Who Artie Lang? Yeah, uh, he's from uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, so oh, yeah, big Springsteen fan, isn't he? Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, he was saying about I think it was Oscar Wilde, or and uh, he was basically like trying to get some like um, uh, like some some sort of like uh, protection because he lived in like a rough like part of the world like Oscar Wilde did, and so he was talking to like this famous. Like, uh, like mu- trying to get like some muscle, like some muscle, and then when he got quoted the price, apparently, like the he famously was like, "Well, how much does it cost to just get him to walk to my house every day?" <laughs> like, just like, can I not just like pay the gangster to just kind of like walk as my personal bodyguard? Because you know what you're charging me for the muscle, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, so uh, I like butchered that joke, but that's basically that just reminded me of that it was funny, but um, but yeah, so. What would you say was the most, like, sort of, like, to end this well, part just one? On, just on the sporting theme. What um, the, yeah. The, 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 the other big highlight for me, in what was a, a very tumultuous and crappy year for all sorts of reasons, mm-hmm. but sticking on the sporting theme, there was an event last year which did actually make me cry, like, because of happiness. Um, was when the Hillsborough families finally won their... Oh, yeah. 
court case to get the the, the, I the forgot about that. Sisler ones exonerated. Oh, it was because I followed this case almost uh, you know when it when it happened because I still remember where I was and you know I saw it live on TV. I think it was Bob Wilson on Grandstand uh, and then John Watson and others there were commentating. And the following Monday at school, I remember our assistant headmaster, a guy called Mr. Grant, who was a big football fan and used to teach games as well. It was almost as if he wanted to reassure us that, you know, keep going to football games and don't be put off by sport because it's a great thing. And what happened over the weekend was tragic. And and um, so it's always stuck in my mind and I still found it hard to... Because at that time, the narrative was it was just a load of drunk fans, you know, piling in, and that's what happened. It was their yeah. fault. It was the media um, narrative, very famously by The Sun. And I just followed the campaign throughout, and then to si- finally see it, I think it was a February or March when it happened mm-hmm. uh, last year, and I was just overwhelmed because I'm currently reading um, Phil Scratton's book, and he was pivotal to this um, inquiry because... He was the the one journalist who, you know, we were talking about the integrity of journalism. Yeah, yeah. He did take that. example. He took that to the highest example because he refused to believe the narrative. And of course, you know, he's a big Liverpool fan, so he had extra uh, meaning to what he was, you know, setting out to achieve. Well, not just that, Uh, but, you know, people died. He went to the archives. He he met with... uh, he met with somebody who was there who secretly who had been silenced by the media and he met them out in the moors where you can, you know, secretly meet them without anyone sort of interfering or, or listening in. And yeah, he, he turned it around and that with the will of the, the will of the, the, you know, the mighty will of the, the families themselves. Um, because remember, it wasn't just 96 people who died. There was a lot of verb- vibrations and ripples, you know, a lot of people committed suicide. I mean, Five Live did a documentary a few um, years ago because I have an interest in this as well as regards to PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a Nottingham Forest fan who who was there, but he was at the other end, obviously, with the Forest fans. But mm-hmm. he ended up taking his life because he 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 had what he what is known in PTSD terms as survivor's guilt, and he had he had a nervous oh, right. break and then he eventually sort of hung himself. And and there's been other cases of this. Uh, more recently, uh, uh, a fan who gave the ticket to a friend of his or a cousin of his or something, mm-hmm. and he eventually perished. Because uh, he felt like that. Yeah, and the guy who the couldn't live with himself. Yeah, after. he felt that choice of like, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I, I've heard, I've heard examples of like, you know, if people go, um, you know, like, I guess, um. Because uh, uh, I know in nine eleven documentaries that people I, I I never really fully understood that until it was explained to me because I guess it's one of these things that you never really understand it unless you're in it. But you talk about survival skill. Yeah, like um yeah. when I re- like when I saw a thing about nine yeah. eleven, and there was a person who um who took like a late train into nine eleven and like they were at the entrance when it happened and they were like would have died if they'd have been in, in office on time and yeah. they like said that they'd struggled to live with it the entire life and they were like miserable and couldn't work and because they couldn't get over what had happened and um because uh i remember uh this happened uh, a lot of interviews when he gets asked about this like seth mcfarlane who missed his Boston flight and he would have been on the plane, the Boston flight that drew into the building and um, 
I remember he got asked this on Howard Stern, where he was like, you know, does that not mess with your head? And he mm-hmm. says, Fort- and basically, uh, one of the few serious responses Seth gave, because he's very, like, jovial and, you know, mm-hmm. I-, I like him. I like him as a, in- I like him as a guest. He's fun. Um, and he basically just said, in all seriousness, I'm really fortunate in that I have a brain and, you know, the way that I deal with things is that it doesn't bother me. Um, do, you know, do you know another example of that? Um, mm. John Lydon, a hero, another hero of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Rotten, the Sex Pistols yes. singer. Do you know which flight he nearly got on? Was the uh, Lufthansa, was it? No, the Pan Am flight uh, that crashed over Lockerbie. All oh, right. In uh, 1988. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure he, was, he was due to get on board, but I think his wife was late. Yeah. So, so they missed it by like minutes. I mean, one of the things, though, I just want to make the, the very simple point, but uh, I, I guess uh, just to reiterate that I'm not saying, like, a famous person, because one of the things that I get frustrated by is when you get articles where they talk about the one famous person that died and not mentioning that there's, like, another 150-odd people who died on the same plane. Like, you know, I, to me, every life is just as valuable, but, like, I'm just using that as an example of the... I know uh, he's been asked that because he's obviously just more well known. But but when you watch, uh, I watched that nine eleven documentary where they talk to survivors, and yeah, that I I was pleased I watched it because I I mean just because I've unfortunately never had any sort of there is oh. a there is a nine eleven documentary where one one survivor who who uh, as as scientists would describe he he surfed. I heard that. Well, this guy that broke uh, lost his leg, but he, he no, he didn't lose a leg. He he was in the I think the the um which was the, which was the second which was uh, the second I never know what order. Was it the he south, was on the second the one South Tower? I think. Yeah, and I don't know. He, he was only like halfway from getting down, and um, they they weren't. His his wife was, I think, he was on the phone saying, "Get out of there! Get out of there!" So you know he was. Um, but when the 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 building obviously fell on top of him, and and people around him obviously perished. But for somehow, where he was on the staircase, I think he like crouched down and like, and he, he managed to create some sort of bubble around him. So when when he fell that height, along with all the the, the um, with everything on top of him, he, he kind of, scientists described it as surfing. Mm-hmm. He managed to, like, avoid any, anything sort of like, you know, piercing him or anything like that. And then, and then the staircase managed to sort of stay intact as it landed. And the firefighters that described that when they found him, it was almost like he was like somebody like King of the Castle type thing. He was just there on, on the, on the staircase. And, and the thing is, he he stayed silent for years because there was the the narrative was that nobody survived the the actual sort of you know as it went when the things came down everyone inside there was a person he's, and this, I'll just quickly finish yeah. he the reason he said he stayed quiet was because you know he had survivor's guilt and he didn't want to sort of you know be portrayed as some yeah I've he, heard that I've heard that because yeah. the media would have like put him on the front pages and he would have. You would have had a life like no other, really. There was a documentary. There's a documentary I saw about it where, like, um, they try to contact, like, you know, the, per- the, you know, how like, which is unbelievable when you think about it. There was a few survivors above 
um, above like the impact zone of a couple of towers. Like there's, you know, so they somehow managed to like as you like found a hole. Uh, like found a hole or something and whatever it is and there was someone who they tried in this documentary that i saw about the survivors to talk to like the person who survived from the highest floor but um they didn't want to talk about it um and that's quite common in the ones that i've seen that they go oh we tried to contact them but they you know didn't want to speak about it which you know is completely understandable because it's a unbelievable i don't know how in all seriousness i have no idea how anyone would get it I, I commend anyone who has any form of normal life after experiencing something like that i, I don't i mean it's it's hard to watch it's hard to watch just well, from, the thing is the, the life isn't normal afterwards yeah exactly it's... i'm saying like just them wanting to carry on is um commendable um i, I it's just unbelievable but um but yeah, I mean, but 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 no, I I'm um, no, I, I have fair play, good good mention about the Hillsborough thing because obviously the from from a point of view of anyone in England sport related that was obviously a huge. I just type in funny for those that don't know what we're referring to is if you type in Hillsborough disaster, you'll it's a very famous uh, sporting case of uh, an accident that happened in uh, a stadium, uh, Hillsborough in Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and um, yeah, you'll find information because uh, the police basically tried to un- uh, to hide what actually happened that day, um, and it finally got figured out. Uh, you can so. also find out why I refused to read the paper that was involved in that case. What was the paper? The Sun, when Kelvin McKenzie, who was the editor at the time, yeah, no, I'm saying I, I generally don't remember, but it was so it was the Sun who. Yeah, I, I don't trust any national newspapers because you find they've always got an agenda. Well, uh, to, to summarise, that that paper is is no longer read in Liverpool, and the the most recent report I read was that the council are trying to put a motion where no shops in within Liverpool be allowed to sell it. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So do some people do, and they just uh... well, do, well. That would be interesting, like, if people start, like, not going to the news agents because they've got the sun, they sell the sun. Like, that might be true. They might, well, they might um, Alexi Sale um, mm-hmm. did, a, did a series about Liverpool um, a few Famous years ago. Famous comedian, uh, Liverpool comedian. Because, yeah, because he was part of the alternative music, comedy scene in the beginning of the 80s. And yep. he, he left Liverpool to go down to London because he thought that's where it was. You know, that's where, that's where his... his Opportunities. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So he went back to Liverpool to to kind of like rediscover, and I think he sort of kind of felt, was I right to leave? Was there a scene going on here? Was I too naive about what 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 was happening around here? And he famously comes from a, a communist family and stuff, so it was very political. And but he and in one episode he 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 sort of <laughs> he, he just he just owns a corner shop for a day. And just like talks to people and customers, and and then they get a batch of the the Sun newspaper, and nobody nobody buys it, and they even makes an offer like if 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 you if you if you if you buy a if you buy a copy of the Sun, you can have anything in the shop, and still nobody would would buy it. <laughs> and at the end, they they just have a ceremony outside and just burn the whole lot, and just sort of goes in flames. Fair enough. No, I I I, I fully um. That, that 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 makes it. I mean, I fully understand that position. Really, I mean, uh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I, in a way, this is not uh, quite quite a good, uh, um, you know, 
uh, call back to what we were talking about earlier about the sort of integrity in media, which has been a common th- common thread in this discussion, mm-hmm. is that yeah, it's just uh, unfortunately we're in a situation. I mean, it, it, this is why it's it's ha- hard. A lot of lazy German. Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah exactly, and unfortunately mainstream ma- mainstream media is lazy trying to get a rise out of people media, and unfortunately leads to and. You know, even in a small scale that we are, is that we're 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 part of that industry, or at least I, I'm by doing an entertainment in, informative, you know, medium. Is that you know, hopefully we're we're portrayed as honest, genuine people, which is all you can hope for. But the problem is all the main mainstream media outlets that manipulate how people think and perceive things. Um, this is partly the reason, like we talked about earlier with talk shows, is that we've reached a point where people are like manipulated into thinking that this is the right thing to do. Because unfortunately, as controversial as, it, as this is to say, there are far more people who don't think for themselves and prefer to be told what to think um, as opposed to having their own opinion. Because having their own opinion requires effort and a great deal of, like, you know, uh, intel like an, an intelligent regardless of like how much you know uh, you know intelligence you have like just the the forthright approach to you know evaluate things and to come up with an objective view and look at things from different angles like be more than one dimensional um but a lot of people prefer to be told what to think because then they can put things in boxes and go all right that's how i'm supposed to think about that one particular thing and that's why headlines are so you know, dangerous because someone could just look at a newspaper and go, "He's guilty," and that could be the newspaper's opinion, not fact. Mm-hmm. And then someone can go, "I don't know, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm referring to here," but you know, I don't know. Like, say someone did a crime and they go, "Oh yeah, the, he's guilty," and that's all the headline says. Without even read the article, they could have an implied opinion of going, "Oh, I saw that he's guilty," and then I, they don't investigate more about like what the you know the facts are they just read the headline and go okay that i'll i'm willing to believe that and move on and that's what unfortunately well most famous recent case um katie hopkins you know she labeled a a guy who a muslim who went to visit disneyland or disney World. Oh, i heard about that yeah and and she she, she cost her, her her employers the daily the daily meal 120 grand yeah, we talked about this last time, didn't we? Because what a bloody payroll. We were talking about like how much of a payoff do they get for doing the article, in comparison to how much they end up spending on compensation. I I, I don't get, <laughs> I don't get why they they put themselves in that position. Because like you know the one I think because I think I mentioned this the last time. Like you know all the the faff about that website who basically completely denigrated uh, Hulk Hogan. And yet, that case has been going on for ages and ages and ages. And he ended up winning, and it cost them like they ended up bankrupting the company because they basically had to pay him in 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 uh, like libel costs, like something like I don't know, I don't know. I'm always terrible at remembering figures, but like millions and millions of pounds because he got he basically managed to you know uh, prove that it denigrated his like you know who uh, him as a person. And it what in part and like majority of it wasn't true, and also I think there's some sort of thing of that he got like um it got like you know stuff 
like property of his stolen and uh, you know got misled and all this kind of thing. Um, so you know that mistake cost them their entire company. <laughs> it's just like you know. So why do you put yourselves in that? Put yourself in that position? Like, I don't get it. Like you know. So to the point of like we were talking about with papers. They put like a story out that lasts one day, maybe a week, if it's a good story, like, and people want to know more about it. And yet, it costs them a quarter of a million or something, like you were saying. It's like, I, I, where's the pay? Like, do they generate that amount of revenue with that one story? Like, they must make, like, you know, why? They must yeah. lose money. That is a good question. I don't know. I, I wish I knew more about Like, I, I wish I knew how it worked. To me, but, it probably says more about. The the character of the person in question is more our way of thinking. Therefore, we want to, you know, mm. continue that. Yeah, narrative. yeah. Oh no, despite, definitely. Like we said earlier, an agenda. Grossly wrong on this occasion. You know, uh, all the. Do other you time. think? Here's a question. Do you think the the newspapers go? Do, do they like like pay the compensation? Do you think they have the approach of they just go? Oh God, I got found out. And they just take the risk every day, all the time. Do you? That, is that well, what they, they be getting away with it? So, yeah. so just to say that okay, we we got caught this time, but yeah. it's not going to stop them trying. Exactly. Uh, that, that's that's how I sort of and look at the okay, situation. A, 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 a chink in our profits, you know, if you can call one hundred twenty grand a chink, but you know, we'll just appoint. It must print be a sm- print a small little apology in tomorrow's newspaper. You know, somewhere where you can't find it easily, and yeah. you know, and then. Yeah, it's like uh, Jason Kaplan on Howard Stern. Uh, I, I watched a, a video the other day where he goes, they were talking about, like, because they made a disparaging comment about Sal. Um, and so they asked the, the news team to basically repair it. Because basically, they heard of Sal Governale got his credit got a credit card rejected at a restaurant in New York. Turns what? out, so they made they did a news story about it and said, oh, Sal, Sal's credit card got rejected. Turns out it was a different Sal Governale. There was another person with that name. So they asked to retract it. And so Jason uh, and uh, the news forgot to re- to retract the story and, like, apologize. So Sal screams at Lisa G and goes, oh, you know, why didn't you retract the story? Like, you know, you, you did some investigation and found out that it wasn't it wasn't me, the different Sal. And uh, Jason Kaplan makes the point of, in relation to what we're talking about, uh, like backing up Sal going, uh, it's like a lot of news outlets that they'll they'll uh, libel you and criticise you on page one and they'll apologise on page 50. <laughs> Didn't they have a go at the media as well that time when they reported Artie's um, suicide attempt? Yeah, that was interesting because they go, uh, if you watch a period of time like from 2010 when he's not on, they talk about him a decent period of time about like, you know, hoping he's okay and like the out with the idea of him coming back. And then since the suicide attempt and then going on from there, they never, they barely mention him. So I think that was sort of the beginning of the end, uh, for, for him being mentioned because they just stopped, uh, bringing him up from that point of view. Um, they, they seem to like, the war, the, the the amount of. Did you hear this? Like, I don't want to like. This makes me res- start to not like Howard right now. But have you ever heard of Obi and Anthony? Yeah. Um. You know. We discussed, we discussed when he went, went on that show and talked about his time. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Well, you know. Well, Opie. Because uh, I I I, I kind of got into re-listening to them. I was never really a huge fan of theirs, but. 
Um, I'm, I've been listening to a few clips of them. Well, I, I, I hated them when they, the way they treated uh, Jesse Ventura when he was on their show. For example. Oh, well, that was fucking Jim Norton, who's a prick. Basically, um, just wanted to cheer Jim Norton. Norton. Yeah. yeah, Jim Norton is Jim Norton's an absolute arsehole. Um, but but anyway, so yeah, I totally agree with you. But anyway, so I've been listening, what, uh, rewatching some clips. Um, and Obi, when they talked about the Howard Stern thing with Artie, um, I found a, a, an example, and they, 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 there was a, a YouTube clip of a, an example of them um, talking about on their radio show how, because Obi and Anthony moved to Sirius, where Howard also works, and Howard actually gets the hallways deserted when he enters. Do you know this? Do you know about this? No. Awful and so like pretentiously shit. So Obi and Anthony like because obviously people work there during the day, yeah. and when Howard walks in early in the morning, so Obi to prove it because people like on Twitter and stuff was like saying he was just making stuff up to disparage. Do they Howard. share the same studio, by the way? No, but it, they're on the That's same. The they're in the right. same building, so and they, there's only one, obviously one entrance into the place, I think. So Obi to prove it because he got all like he said he was getting abuse on Twitter saying he was off like fat Stern fans saying that uh, you know it's bullshit how I wouldn't do that um and so he goes okay I'll prove it so Obi goes into work the next day and he's got a camera and he's next to I guess a friend of his who works on the show I think he's producer or something and so these producers waiting and the security guard is like uh, behind a glass door. And he's got his hot arm up like wait, um, and he the doors are you can hear like a locked the, the the mechanism for the lock the door to lock, and the security guard is facing away from them, and he goes here it is it's starting and he they they like pan the camera because it's like see through see through like walls so you can see like glass glass walls so you can see like along the whole like sort of promenade, um, and there's like no one around. It's like completely deserted. There's desks with like there's desks with no people on, and he gets he he has an arrangement where the security guards and stuff in that entire floor get people to like literally leave their desks and stuff and leave the entire corridor vacant, so so Howard can walk through with Ronnie, uh, to get to his studio because he doesn't want anyone to like talk to him or well, disturb him. The, the the driver, his driver. Yeah, yeah. and he's like bodyguard technically so he, he and so obi records it and so you see uh howard with ronnie walk into shot with the security guards following following them and you can t- and howard's like got his got his like uh head down like he you know he's embarrassed by the whole situation but apparently he asked for this because he's such a anti-social person now that uh he, and he's so like up himself but to me yeah. that just comes across as like he's up himself it's a, and so Right. You, you, you see it, and so he just walks past, and then once he gets out of, uh, like, sort of range, the security guard turns around, opens the door, and says, hi, hi, Opie, you can come in now. And uh, and then they, they look at all, they, they then go through the corridor and look down the whole thing, and then you can hear Opie go, look, um, proven he is, look, there's actually people have had to leave their desks for, like, five <laughs> minutes. Uh, because Howard's walked in, so there's like no one working there because he's such a fucking, you know, like a prima donna, like trying to be an A-list celebrity big deal thing, which is so anti Howard Stern. Like, um, that's not what he used to be like, and uh, it's very yeah, because I've, I've been listening to um, some old clips of um, Eric Lynch 
aka Eric the actor. Yeah. Aka Eric the midget. He's funny. Yeah. Because he's he was my favorite whack. Yeah, he's right? funny. And the, one of the one one of the one long running kind of um, scenarios with him was the whole um, American Idol thing with this. And do you remember there was a guy called Sanjaya who was from India and he wasn't really. Yes. And uh, and uh, Howard was trying to like get him to win it. He led a campaign where he was going to get because he was clearly not the best singer. But he was a sort of a like a, a sideshow in a way, and but but he led a he basically wanted to corrupt the show mm-hmm. to prove that you know um, you know like a power of the people thing can 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 win over an, a corporation or, or a company or whatever. Yeah, and he said some right things at the time, which I agreed with about you know like Simon Cowell and about how these things work. And then you know, lo and behold, a few years later, he he's on America's Got Talent. I know, yeah. But it's the same as now. He's basically um, praising Ellen DeGeneres' like dancing and all the the really annoyingly obnoxious things that she does. And yet, there's like fans, even fans of the old show, are like putting audio clips together of like someone did this on their YouTube account. They put they put a whole bunch of examples of him slagging off Ellen DeGeneres over the years. And um, there's a clip of him and Artie Lang. Um, absolutely destroying Jennifer Aniston, uh, like, and it's quite a funny clip. Um, just sort of taking the piss out of the pretentiousness of, like, what and like, because I even remember, like, I even remember this at the time that, like, especially the Friendsish era, where she mm-hmm. was very like sort of up herself, thinking of like seeing how great she was, and because apparently she was one of the, even though it's good for her, but like apparently she was one of the main proprietors of them getting a million pound an episode that they, she basically said. If we're going to keep doing this, we should get paid. I, n- I never money. got the whole history. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so she was a bit, yeah, so she was a bit, like, up herself mm-hmm. at the time. So they, like, goofed on that on the show, like, all the time. And there's mm-hmm. a there's a clip of um, him and uh, Artie just, like, like completely destroying her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been, like, and it's been widely uh, reported now that he hangs out with her. It's just like well, it's just it's just like I don't, I I don't get it I, I I like it but he's but basically like the arty thing which you heard of there's a woman called Marcy Turk or something who's took over and who essentially is now Gary Delabotte's boss and uh, she just has completely changed his entire approach to things and you know it's weird because if you see any clips post when he re-signed with Sirius in 2011 and he re-signed again recently. Um, there's hardly any input from any of the other people now. Like, you know, like, I never see Sal, I never hear Sal and Richard on it. Um, you know, like, Will and Jason and all the people behind the scenes you don't really hear anymore. And JD. Yeah, and JD and, yeah, and, um, it's just, it's, it's a pale imitation of what it used to be now. Um, and it's all like, and I, I, I I watched it, I saw an interview, someone sent me a clip of it recently. Of a more recent interview he did with, uh, I'm trying to think who it was with, but it was he was so up their ass, like he was all like, "You're wonderful," and you're, you're oh, it was um, uh, Harry Mandel who he does the talent show with. Oh um, yeah, yeah, and he was on, and he just spent the entire time licking his ass, like, and, it, and I'm like, he never did that. Like, uh, one of the things, like, I don't mind, like, if someone has an interview and clearly is like a massive fan of who they're interviewing, like that's totally fine, but. Like, you know, because I've, I've done that if I've ever met someone on here and the brief, you know, I'm not 
who I'm a huge fan of, I will actually go out of my way to say I'm a huge fan of yours and it's a real honour to interview you. Yeah. But but that's different because, I mean, that's genuine. Whereas, like, you know, you don't want to spend the entire time just having an entire hour of someone going, you're wonderful. Yeah. Like, I, I, you've got to get to the point of, like, oh, maybe we should talk about something more um, substantial. But mm. anyway. But, yeah, and no, I think that wraps, wraps things up. Um, so, yeah, uh, so all in all, like, hopefully, do you, so do you, do you have the hope of, like, and I know we'll, we'll do a, an episode about 2017. Are you mm. hopeful? Um I guess as a as a pl- as a promo for the next episode we do is that uh, are you, how is your view of 2017? Are you like hopeful that it's, it's going to be as good? As, it's going to be way better because I think a- I think 2016 demonstrates that um, predictions and polls are just go- goes out the window. I know, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for me to suggest what may or may not happen. <laughs> Did you ever like? I think I will in my own mind. But... <laughs> But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put money on anything again. <laughs> I know, yeah. But, but I'm um, a person, quick, uh, a quick question: Have you ever heard of the 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 like um, real, I guess, sort of online news uh, channel called the Young Turks yeah. on YouTube? I occasionally watch it. On yeah. Um, have you ever seen like they made someone made a montage of their reaction to the Trump uh, as it oh. came in? And how, like, um, uh, I can't remember, I don't know how you say the guy who runs it. Uh, uh, oh, God, what's he, the guy guy's name? Uh, I know what the guy you mean. But yeah. The guy who runs it, the Turkish guy, I can't, I can't remember the guy's name now, but... Uh, Henk, Henk? Is it Henk? I think his name is, or something like that. But, um, or Genk. It was a Genk, I think it is. Anyway, but, um, uh... He's like really sort of smug, going, "Oh, the New York Times have it. like they were they kept promoting like New York Times have a prediction that Hillary's gonna has a seventy nine percent chance of winning and and then like every time like so then it cuts about like to half an hour later and they go now the New York Post says that they ha he ha she has a seventy percent chance of winning and then it's like she has a fifty five percent chance of winning and then like the the the, the starts like going. Oh my, I'm starting to get worried because they clearly want Hillary to win and I'm starting to get concerned now. Uh, New York Times now predicts that she has a 35% chance of winning. And eventually Ken, goes, Ken she has Kuga, a 4% chance. Ken Kuga is his name. Ha, that's, sorry, thank you. There. Ken Kuga, yeah. There Just you go. Uh, uh, and uh, Anna... That was my... That Anna Kasparian as a cohort. That well. was my um, like uh, confirmation because I was watching... I was up on election night and... I think I fell asleep about half two, three o'clock, and then, and then it was about five o'clock where I woke up because the TV was still on. It was Andrew Neil saying, "Well, the New York Times have just said it's it's certain to be a Trump victory." I know, yeah, <laughs> that's what they said. Yeah, <laughs> but, but going on montages, um, I need to get this clip because um, it, they were played on James O'Brien's LBC, LBC show the other day when they were talking about Trump. But there's a they made a montage of basically hypocrisy on Trump's behalf because everything of which he said in the campaign is ridiculed because because they found audio of him like contradicting himself totally. Whether it's knowing who David Duke is, the the KKK guy, mm-hmm. you know, he denied who he was, and then it's played next to an audio of him saying talking about him, so he clearly does know who he is. Um, him being saying, um, you know, how he. 
previously he was a, a Democrat and he, and he thought that Republicans were out of touch and, you know, uh, just basically everything he said in the presidential campaign or he claimed. Yeah. They've got audio evidence of saying completely the other yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And they put them together in like a montage of hypocrisy. And it was like, great. And it's like, that should have been... That should have been a Democrat's uh, whole campaign there in itself, just a montage of him. Uh, <laughs> Before I forget, right, and it may remind me of the next one we do, yeah. um, I think the biggest thing about Trump uh, is not that he was president, is that he got replaced by in The Apprentice by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> do you know about that? Yeah, I know about that, yeah. Uh, and they I, had- I already yeah, know about Twitter spat at each other about it. Apparently. Oh, did they? I had no idea, but I saw a clip of that because um, I knew about it because uh, Chiel Sonnen, who uh, is a UFC fighter, is fighting tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the build-up to that, he mentioned he was on The Apprentice, and I'm like, I didn't know that. And so I uh, googled it, and I was like, "There's a clip of like a, a, a package thing on their site about, and it's him." Uh, like nearly getting eliminated and he's like having an argument with Arnold Schwarzenegger and I go Arnold Schwarzenegger what the and then I read that he got fired like Trump said he didn't want to do The Apprentice because of like he felt it was conflict of interest with his presidential stuff but apparently the people who run The Apprentice in America said we actually were going to fire him because of what he said in relation I think to the disability thing you mentioned earlier Um, so they replaced him with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and what I love is they changed the catchphrase from "You're fired" to "You're terminated." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so great, and I was like watching it go, and it's really fun, and he's he's quite good. He's, I think, uh, I, See, I, I, quite, I thought he's quite I'm good. I'm disappointed when Arnie kind of like confirmed he's a Republican and became the mayor, yeah. because he's become more environment. He's become more of an environmental activist in recent years, so yeah. he's kind and of he, winning back. And, and then. This might be the first Apprentice series I might properly watch. I mean, I, 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 pro- I won't know how good. contestants because you know Americans and their celebrities there. Yeah, I was just about. Uh, you know, I was just about to say the same thing. I much prefer having members of the public. I, I've never yeah. really been fond of one. But a lot of them stuff. tend to be assholes as well. They, yeah. they always pick people who. You know, and none of them need the money. It's all done for charity. They'll do for charity and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, eh. where Katie Hopkins came from. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it sounds in it, it sounds a trip. But um, I was just about to say about Arnold is th- as much as like you know the governor thing, obviously being governor of California, some of the stuff that he you know sort of changed his mind on. He, you know, I, I like to give people the benefit of they can change their mind. And like, so one of the things is he was against um, you know getting it was it what was it called Proposition Eight or whatever it was he was trying they were trying to get rid of because it was against uh, gays. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so they they were trying to get it like amended to get rid of because they basically you're going to mention George Takei and Howard Stern here. yeah yeah but yeah that but is they, one of the all time clips on yeah that. it is brilliant but um but the backdrop of that the is guy that, um, who impersonates him yeah him. yeah I don't know I don't know who they got to do that but um there's there's a lot of people who can do good impressions of Arnold's but but anyway the the point I was getting to was that even though they joked about that and they never got a real the real Arnold to talk um he actually did change his mind about you know gay marriage and actually gay you know so you know he he yeah as well as he, he may be a republican but he you know they might they have the ability oh, to... great there's great republicans in the same way that there are some decent 
conservatives, Tories, which is hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my favourite one is actually a guy who appears on George Galloway's show. Uh, he appeared on his show in on Talk Talk Sport, and now he appears on his new talk. A guy called John Le Batillier, mm-hmm. who who is a Republican, but he 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 despised uh, the Bush administration. He despised uh, John McCain and despised a lot of the people in in the various recent administrations. And to to hear him and George Galloway kind of. And, you know, I, I just discussed in my previous podcast my kind of new reservations about Galloway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still great to hear Le Batilia, um talk about Trump. Because one of the things they used to say was that if Trump wins, they were going to move to New Zealand because it's like the furthest away they could get from him geographically. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, yeah. But he's great listening to John Le Batilia. He deserves his own show. Well, I think he does have his own show in America, some TV thing. Um, uh, it, it, the more, it's funny every time it seems like everyone anyone ever mentions go like oh they do have a show like everyone seems to be getting shows and stuff and podcasts and stuff these yeah. days but yeah. well, there you go anyway cool that wraps I guess we'll wrap the, wrap this one up so yeah that pretty much sums up uh, we did crowbar in some episodes some stuff about 2016 obviously we could have talked about even like more I guess more what do you, what's the right word like phrase like more relevant like what history is going to remember type stuff but um you know there might be some stuff that people might not remember what happened in 2016 but god there was a lot uh there was a lot that happened uh certainly a very you know how like there's a you know obviously well, can like you, re- mentioned... can you remember a, a year, another year like it yeah that's what i was about to say yeah like you know uh we just mentioned 9-11 like 2001 is like you know can you name another thing that happened in 2001 i can't uh, uh, off the uh, top of my head, I might if I maybe think about it a bit, but like the only the only other thing I can remember of that year was was when England stuffed Germany. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Because nine eleven like happened like a week after or a week. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So there you go. So so, but yeah. So anyway, but if someone said two thousand and one, everyone would say the nine eleven. So mm-hmm. like, whereas in two thousand sixteen, you can. Say the amount of celebrities that died, all the 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 like terrorists attacks, like how many of them there were, and like you know the you know at one point I wouldn't be surprised if people felt like the world was ending or something in terms of like just the sheer amount of you know every time you woke up there was a I mean it might be it shows you I mean we were talking about the power of the media it shows how power powerful the media is because the access of information now is so huge that. You know, and that they they always want to tell you the next thing is that, you know, you mm-hmm. hear one thing and then next thing he has like some town in Germany. Whereas, you know, I make an argument of like ten, fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. maybe that would never even get reported. It would be it maybe get national news in that country, but we wouldn't know about it. But now it's because, you know, uh, the the only it, it, after nine after two thousand one, the, the I would say, um. 2012 was quite big with the Olympics, but going before that was, for me, 2005. And I'll tell you for why. It wasn't so much the whole year. There was one, it was like one fortnight where it was like weirdness. And what I mean was, is that um, uh, that's when I was kind of getting, beginning to start my activism. And I was like um, getting into the whole um, make poverty history thing. Uh, and I went up to Edinburgh to join that big march. And, you know when the G7 
leaders were meeting up in Glen Eagles and yeah. trying to, um, you know, make them uh, end poverty and do something serious about it and pledge, you know. Um, and then that whole kind of fortnight with that going on, um, it was also announced that, you know, London was going to get the Olympics and there was a big thing about that. And oh, then... Yeah. And then, and then a few days later, we had the terrorist attacks at the in London Underground, and that all happened within the space of like like a week or two. And I just remember, like, I remember thinking at that time, bloody hell, uh, what's going on? This is this is all too much yeah. for me. Well, hopefully, um, uh, hopefully the, the this will be um, about a year for everyone, everyone really, and um, yeah, it, it it it's it's a real shame. Um, you know, <laughs> I you, I kind of want to say the really superficial thing is like, why can't we all just be nice to each other? <laughs> like, you know, you really want to really find myself like uh, finding myself saying that every uh, every day. Like, you know, just the idea of like yeah, re- referees be nice to Newcastle. So we get... <laughs> yeah, we were recording this just after we beat Rotherham, uh, which uh, which was good. Which uh, uh, Ricky was at the game, so. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we just talked about really serious stuff when really me and Ricky want for the new year, which we'll talk about in the next one we do. Uh, we just want Newcastle to get promoted. So that would be <laughs> that's literally the world, all we the care. The might come to an end, but but so long as we get promoted, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. a bad silver lining. I've 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 maintained I will uh, like I would die happy at the notion of Newcastle won. Uh, I know we won the championship a few years ago, but like a major trophy. I would even take an FA Cup in my lifetime. That would be well, nice. I think we've got a good chance in the League Cup. You know, um, we should go for this, something like the League Cup. I think there's a lot of attention on... You know, when they talk about the Premier League, all the yeah. big teams... Because a lot of the, the teams like Liverpool and Chelsea are not in Europe. Yeah. Um, so they might plough all... The, and, and that kind of paves the way for something like yeah, in the League Cup. Um, yeah, we have a chance. Because I remember when Middlesbrough won it back in... Was it 2004? Yeah, Steve McLaren, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it can happen. Yeah, we might do. I mean, uh, we'll do a decent cover, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we seem to be. We, I mean, our our team is decent, so, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's really good. I think it's basically like unless there's some monumental screw up, it's a battle between us and Brighton to basically get yeah. the title. Really, I think we're probably both going to get promoted if all goes well. Brighton, so. I think, are coming up here in a couple of weeks, so. Title decider, <laughs> potentially. Anyway, um, a huge thank you everyone to listening to our like sort of wrap up of 2016 slash random conversation. Uh, our plan is to do another one, um, ever hosted in terms of talking about like 2017. Um, I mentioned to Ricky that I'll mention. I need to mention to him about the uh, my dog story, which I'll make sure I bring up. But because um, uh, my plan is to get a dog, which didn't exactly go according to plan, uh, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks that might change. Um, but in the meantime, uh, yeah, huge thank you to everyone. Uh, obviously, good fortune for 2017. Um, obviously, if you listen to this on iTunes, please do consider subscribing, and then you can get the latest episodes as soon as they are released on our airwaves of the interwebs. Um, that pretty much covers it. Um, at Vivid Ricky on the tweets for Ricky. Um, at Geek underscore Apocalypse for us. 
and thank you for listening. If you've got this far, um, you need to question your sanity. Uh, <laughs> but apart from that, uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope we were entertaining, and uh, obviously, me and Ricky will be around for the host episodes and the next time. And, t- and I, uh, as I mentioned briefly before, um, my plan is to take some time off because I've been doing every podcast. Um, I worked this out that if I release all the ones that I've got in the pipeline as well as this one and the ones I've still got scheduled for January, I probably would have done maybe barring two weeks, two weeks, uh, basically I've done about like 40 odd, uh, podcasts in one year, like something like about 46 maybe. So I'm like thinking that, you know, considering I never really had any, uh, time off, uh, last year for podcasting. And I think I'm I'm kind of due um, some time off, so my plan is to maybe take most of February off. So anyway, so uh, the, we've got we've got another episode of this to do. Um, I'm interviewing Alex from Battleboards is coming back because he's got some stuff to talk about with Battleboards, and that's the last one I think I'm doing in January. And then I've got a couple that I've got to to bring up, and then so there's a few more to release, and then I'm gonna do a solo podcast to talk about why I'm taking some time off, and then that'll be no more uploads for a bit and then i'll resume uh towards the end of february so any that anything else you want to say rick well that's it i think that's it uh it was fun i just want to thank you again it's been really fun yeah i i I really yeah i really enjoyed our conversation it was fun as i always do that's why we do it'd be funny like i do host it i tolerate uh talking to this man <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. He's probably he, he, said, he said he said he questioned the audience's uh, sanity. I've yeah. questioned my like, many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know why you agree to do this. To be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> what you say? Anyway, um, I'll wrap this up like I always do in the words of the great Beamy Robot Josh Crash and Burn. And as we said, this is technically part one. So obviously, when we do a part the uh, part two, please do uh, listen to that where we'll talk more about like uh, 2012. I'll talk about uh, we'll talk about more like lifey related things and uh, sort 2012 of sorry did I say 2012? 2017 why did I say 2012? I have no idea why Um, I have no idea why I said that but anyway yeah 2017 sorry slip of the tongue it's like Olympic fever it's be- no I think yeah I think that's what it is Um, also I wish I was not nearly 30 maybe that's what <laughs> maybe that's what it is um, but anyway uh, so huge thank you everybody and um, we'll uh, see you very soon for the next edition of the Geek Wars podcast thanks guys bye